Tear it off, dude. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi and Matt Barrows on the Athletic Podcast Network. We're back. Another episode of Here's the Catch as the 49ers progress through the preseason and progress through training camp. We have 16 practices under our belts, Matt. We've done a lot of 49ers coverage so far. We're out there in the heat. We're out there in the heat in Vegas, too. It's it's not cool in Santa Clara either, but it has been a busy 16 practice stretch for us with a bunch of off days in, in there. So it's been about three weeks of action. And now we're ready to cover the 49ers as they prepare for the Denver Broncos on Saturday for week two of the preseason. And it seems that there's a chance that the starters play for at least a little bit. So Brock Purdy, that first team offense, they might be in there for a series or two. Kyle Shanahan told that to KMBR, and it checks out because this is how the 49ers have approached in the past, right? We've seen that second preseason game be where the starters or the starting quarterback get a couple series. That third preseason game, which happens against the Chargers this year, the following Friday, that's what they call the dress rehearsal, where we might see up to half of some of the starters. Yeah, and obviously uh, all eyes will be on Brock Purdy, who uh, on Thursday had uh, his third consecutive day of practice. That's the first time that that's happened. So um, the restrictions are now totally off him. His uh, arm is back to to normal 100% um, as far as um, how they're treating it and, and everything else. So He'll be um, he'll be number one, and then of course the the Sam Darnold uh, Trey Lance um, competition. It's going to be Darnold who gets in first because Lance got in first against the Raiders, and then Lance ought to play most of the second half. And obviously he'll want to see a uh, a much better performance than he had in Las Vegas. But there there are some other uh, uh, starting spots, David, that I think are are going to be interesting to watch. The the nickel position has suddenly kind of risen up as a potential problem area. Isaiah Oliver uh, might not be cutting it there, and uh, the 49ers are certainly giving him some competition for that starting nickel spot in the form of uh, Diamond or Lenore. And it could be a situation where Lenore, who was playing well on the outside at the end of last year, uh, you know, starts a game on the outside, but in nickel situations, somebody else, maybe it's Ambry Thomas, maybe it's Samuel Womack, comes in on that outside spot and uh, Lenore moves into uh, the nickel position. But, you know, suddenly with, you know, a, a few weeks to go before the season, that's not quite as settled as we thought it was. And, and then the other spot that's interesting is uh, defensive end. Nick Bosa is not going to be there, of course. Um, and Cleveland Farrell will start. I don't know if Drake Jackson will start in this game. He's not quite back uh, to practice in full after suffering a hamstring strain, but it'll be interesting to see whether Farrell can kind of continue to build on what's been a good camp for him, sort of underplayed storyline this summer. He's played well. He shows up in these practices, always has a sack, a touch sack against one of the 49ers. QBs had a sack of uh, the, uh, the the Raiders rookie quarterback um, on Sunday as well. So, so far, so good from him, but... I think they'd like to see some other guys really kind of step forward at that defensive end spot. Absolutely. It's so so important, especially in this scheme, those those edge rushers. I mean, you, you run the wide nine. There's going to be a lot of room to account for at each defensive line spot. 
I think that the the way that Chris Kosarek plays things up front, it gives players a whole lot of freedom to be explosive, but because they're all on islands, every position needs a Ferrari, right? For this defensive line to really flex its muscles, uh, you can't really hide out there in, in that open space. So they definitely want that spot opposite of Nick Bosa to, to be filled. And it's not going to just be one guy, right? They love running the rotation there because there's a lot of strain on these defensive linemen. So Farrell could be one rotational piece. Another one could be Drake Jackson. But it, the more the merrier to help this 49ers defense hum along at full strength. I, I do like what you said about the nickelback position. To me, that's extremely intriguing because Isaiah Oliver's got about $4 million fully guaranteed on his contract. And we had presumed that he'd be the starter, but I think that the 49ers have said, wait, we might want a little bit more shiftiness, a little bit more change of direction and coverage. They signed Isaiah Oliver as a big nickel, right? A, somebody who's 6'6", 205, much, much larger than previous players at the position, like uh, Kwan Williams, who's 5'9", 185. But I think the 49ers saw that, that some of the change of direction and coverage skills weren't where they needed them to be. Uh, Matt, I wouldn't be surprised if they ran a double nickel setup this year. I think that uh, Isaiah Oliver can be on the field, but in more base run situations against you know opposing tight ends, big slot receivers. In the true nickel, uh, the 49ers have been dabbling more and more in what you just said, kicking Diameter Lenore inside, and the emergence of Ambry Thomas has allowed that to happen because Ambry Thomas can be outside in true nickel spots with Charvarius Ward on the opposite end of the field. So you have Ward, Diamondo Lenore, and Ambry Thomas. If those end up being your three best DBs, cornerbacks, and pass coverage, uh, that's what you have to do if you're Steve Wilkes. But but you, you might also still be able to use the little extra thump that Isaiah Oliver gives you in, in different situations. Yeah, I, I wonder whether mid-August is a little late to be switching things up, though. I mean, uh, nickel, to me, has been a spot, you know, going back to – you know, Carlos Rogers back in 2011, and then they moved to Kwan Williams for uh, a few years, and then last year it was Jimmy Ward. These are all guys that have been in the league a while. They uh, they played in secondaries. They have lots of experience. It's a kind of a feel to that position that you really need to have. And I'm not saying that Diamondor Lenore can't do it. I think actually that's what the, the 49ers were envisioning for him when they drafted him uh, a few years ago. What I'm saying is that he's, he's got basically zero uh, experience there. Uh, and uh, that's, you know, g- given what's at stake, what the 49ers hope to accomplish, given who their division opponents are. I mean, just look at the Rams alone uh, and what they do with their slot receiver. Uh, that's, that's, a big, that's a big spot. And, and that's why I thought that Isaiah Oliver was sort of a nice pickup on paper because um, he has been in the league. He's got lots of playing experience. Uh, started out on the outside, has done more nickel in recent years, but uh, apparently um, he hasn't been playing all that well in practice and um, certainly didn't in the game on Sunday. And uh, I don't know whether it's sort of a, a signal to Oliver that, hey, you need to step things up. And we should note that he's not totally out of the nickel spot. Um, he's just basically dividing practices now with uh, Diamond Lenore. Lenore has been starting practice there and, and Oliver has been getting some reps at the end as well. But um, it's, uh, th- that, that could loom large. Uh, you know, just uh, the, the Seahawks and the Rams alone just uh, really use that slot receiver a lot. Yeah, no, that's – and it's, it's a position, you know, I think nickel – 
where you can find a comparative advantage in the NFL these days in relation to the salary cap because these nickelbacks aren't aren't paid nearly as much as outside cornerbacks yet as you just said there are a lot of teams especially ones in the 49ers division who line up their most dangerous wide receivers in the slot so you could find somebody who's qualified to to cover nickel you could find somebody who takes on outsized responsibility against some of the best receivers in the league for a lower price tag and i think you know that that was part of the thinking with isaiah oliver but again um, it's it, it is tough to to find the the perfect complete player because if you're going to add weight for run support and for you know coverage of big bodies for those purposes, you're probably going to lose a little bit on the change of direction front. It's just you, you take some, you lose some, right? Uh, it it is hard to find somebody who's as shifty as a Kwan Williams yet as uh, big and strong as as a, as a small linebacker and i think that you know you try to find that happy balance at nickelback maybe the 49ers can do it with a couple of players we'll see i think your point's well taken though too that we're, we're a little bit later in training camp so whatever you do um you better drill it hard you better find a way to install it because it's only three weeks until the season opener against pittsburgh and and pittsburgh might be equipped to to test the 49ers a little bit in the slot that happens on september 10th we're going to keep our eyes on that position battle how about this um about this saturday though the quarterback situation i i get it we'll see purdy for a couple series maybe we talk about purdy in a bit i think he's been really really good especially in the red zone uh this camp we could talk about the interceptions i think that's a whole lot of unnecessary hand-wringing because if you look at how good purdy's been in the red zone that to me is a jaw dropper so let's revisit that first though let's talk about trey lance and sam darnold because they're probably going to have more of the spotlight on saturday with darnold likely ahead of lance uh, in the work order for Saturday because Lance was ahead of Darnold last week. It was not by any stretch of the imagination a good outing, Matt, for Trey Lance, who I think obviously still needs a whole lot more time, a lot more reps. I'm not really sure where the 49ers can squeeze them in for Trey Lance. It, it was a better situation for Sam Darnold. He showed, I think he probably has a higher floor right now than Trey Lance, which might be the determining factor in this in this quarterback two battle but what, what do you want to see from each of those two guys against denver on saturday well lance it's get get off to a, a fast start i mean uh we've seen practice after practice with him and it's not every practice that this happens but a typical one for trey lance has him misfiring in the beginning and then sort of uh heating up as the as the session goes along and when you're only getting a, a handful of snaps that's that's sometimes hard to do um, and we saw that uh, against the Raiders as well. Uh, it, it needs the caveat that the whole team was like this. And I don't know whether it was because of the fact that they were out there the whole week, uh, you know, sleeping in a hotel room, the heat, whatever. They, they just didn't play well uh, at the start of the game. And Lance was part of that, but he wasn't the only one. And, and I do think that Sam Darnold benefited from the fact that, you know, this team finally woke up at, at one point. And um, he happened to be coming into the game at that point as well. But uh, he certainly looked more comfortable, more ready to play than, than Trey Lance. Uh, so getting off to a fast start once he's in the game, I think, is a big deal for him. Um, and, and getting rid of the ball. That's what, uh, that, that was the phrase that uh, kind of slipped out of Shanahan's mouth all week this week is, let it rip. That's what, that's what he wants to yeah. see more than anything else. Obviously, he wants to see his quarterbacks let it rip 
with you know uh, intelligence behind it. Uh, doesn't want to let it rip willy nilly, but he wants to be aggressive. That's who Shanahan is. He wants to attack, attack, attack. That's why he fell in love with Brock Purdy so quickly last year. That's what uh, Sam Darnold did when he got into the game. I mean, the, the first uh, throw was, was a little off target. It may have been because Tay Martin, the receiver, lined up in the wrong spot. The second one was on the money, and it was to the jugular. It was, uh, it was that deep ball to, to Ronnie Bell down the sideline. Uh, and uh, the, the opposite of that was what uh, Trey Lance did. There were mostly some checkdowns to, to begin with, double clutches and checkdowns. And some, again, not his fault, but um, it wasn't uh, an attack, attacking style on those first three drives. No, and I mean, there was a lot wrong with just, uh, I think, the, the diagnosis of where Shanahan wanted the ball to go, you know, just basic stuff like that. The, just from the first play, the, the three-step drop, Trey wasn't looking in the right spot, and because of that, I mean, it, it wasn't, it, people try to isolate blame on one person. I think a lot went wrong on those first three three-and-outs. Nick Sakel, for example, got back right into Trey Lance, so that compounded uh, Lance's sloppy decision-making, sloppy scan of the field, right? on that first drive. So the second team offensive line uh, wasn't really in position where it was impressing anybody, but Trey's got to be a whole lot more decisive with the football. We've heard Kyle Shanahan talking about how he wants that robot at that position, right? He wants, he loves how Brock Purdy is just a jugs machine. That's basically spinning around and, and hitting the read the way that he wants him to. Uh, that's what's, you know, enamored Shanahan with Brock Purdy is that mechanical efficiency that he goes through one, two, three with, even, if he is throwing some picks in practice, uh, that to Kyle Shanahan is okay because he's testing the limits. He's basically an extension of Shanahan on the field. He's carrying that game plan to the quarterback position. And, and Lance is going to have to be more decisive moving forward. And, you know, for Sam Darnold, I think we were on the practice field on Thursday. It was Sam's worst day of practice so far this season. He was 1-7. of seven. He missed several shots into the seams. I thought that the, that the seam was a tough place for Darnold to throw. He's going to have to become more consistent with that. Uh, you know, I talk about a higher floor for Sam Darnold. Well, if he's going one of seven, uh, that floor isn't all too high. So uh, all these quarterbacks obviously have have some weaknesses, have some stuff to to, to clean up. Um, it, it seems to me, funny enough, that the one QB out of these four um, that's essentially delivered a clean cheat here during these practices uh, has been Brandon Allen, but uh, Brandon Allen, his his wife just had a baby this week. Uh, he missed a couple of games, and obviously as QB four, he hasn't gotten as many reps. But boy, uh, he was Burrow's number two uh, with Cincinnati in recent years. Put up some big numbers when he had to fill in uh, in a couple of those games, and. To me, it looks like he's very, very playable as even a number two if the 49ers had to go to that. But obviously, he's lower down in the pecking order right now. The point is that that the truth still stands. And the truth entering the preseason week one was the 49ers have a lot of options in the quarterback room, a lot of intrigue in the quarterback room. And even after a poor outing from Trey Lance, I don't think that's that's changed, right? I think they still have those options. And it's still going to be really interesting once this cutdown hits in about two weeks. Yeah, the uh, Darnold's practice on Thursday was interesting. Um, as you noted, one of seven, not great. Um, there were two drops by uh, Cameron Latou, though. I mean, on well-thrown balls. One was in the end zone during a, a red zone drill. One was at the sideline. Latou is, is struggling right now. <laughs> He's just full of uh, kind of self-doubt and uh, 
you know, I, I think this is um, a little bit to be expected from him. This is exactly how he practiced early on at Alabama. And it bugged the you-know-what out of Nick Saban. Um, and uh, eventually, Latou got, got over it and became a really good tight end for, for Alabama and really a, a trusted target for, for their quarterback. Um, so I, I don't think it's anything to panic about with Latou. I don't think that the 49ers are going to trust him <laughs> with a lot of um, responsibilities early on, uh, and they shouldn't. But I, I don't think it jeopardizes his uh, roster spot. Um, getting back to, to Darnold, however, and he did miss some, some, you know, makeable shots down the field, but just kind of linking that to what you were saying about Shanahan earlier, I, I think Shanahan likes to see that. I mean, it, they, they were misses, uh, and Shanahan wants them to be completions, but the fact that Darnold was attacking deep, attacking the right spots, um, I think has to kind of uh, please him, or at least give him encouragement that that Darnold is kind of picking it up, um, because that's what what Shanahan wants to see is um, is that attack mentality. And um, you know, uh, Trey Lance was three of three today, only got five snaps, um, but all of them were were short throws. Um, so um, it was a a definite contrast in styles, and it 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 vacillates, it varies from practice to practice. And Sam Darnold, I do not think, has run away with this competition at all. He might have a, a slight uh, lead right now, but it, uh, it varies uh, depending on the day. So um, certainly there, there's time, I think, for Trey Lance to get back in this. If he has a great game on Saturday, you know, the whole national dialogue is going to change like it does. And, and it's just the preseason, but that's, uh, that's the world we live in. Um, the uh, the rhetoric changes from day to day, and you know, with Brock Purdy as your unquestioned starter right now for the 49ers, there there isn't a whole lot of downside to, to keeping Trey Lance al- uh, around. I mean, there, there's so many overreactions. You talk about the national dialogue; everybody sees a poor preseason outing, and they're like, "Oh, one of the 49ers is going to trade Lance. Would they cut him?" Gasp! Right? Everybody is it's rushing to hyperbole. You know, th- that's not how the 49ers are really thinking about this quarterback position. They realize they need a lot of quality bodies there they need potential there to avoid what happened last year in case the injuries start rolling in again and i think it's really clear when you watch lance that he just needs reps before we have an answer one way or the other on him the problem of course is that within the context of uh, what's happened with the 49ers and trey lance over the past couple years is that that they're no longer in position to just be giving him game reps during the regular season because brock purdy has emerged above him the 49ers are super bowl contenders they can't just host uh this developmental camp for trey lance during actual game time that being said he still could get time in the preseason here this is going to be important for him because he hasn't played really an extended stretch of games as as a 49ers quarterback uh in his career yet he was exceptionally raw when he came in so these next two weeks are huge and then even beyond that even if he's qb3 for the 49ers even if he's doing some scout team stuff for the 49ers he could still be picking up some experience that he clearly is is lacking right now, and the 49ers can still see how this story develops. Maybe not, you know, as efficiently as they thought it it would have developed when Trey Lance was supposed to send the quarterback one and get the majority of the attention, but he could still be on this football team and he could still be progressing toward 
a more evolved version of quarterback than he is right now as as the raw product was barely had a shot to play out of North Dakota State and the 49ers depth could be better for it right I, I'm not so sure when I hear some of these trade rumors that that somebody would be willing to offer the 49ers enough for Trey Lance given how little he's shown to make it worth their while to move on for him. I don't know if that offer is going to come, right? And and they're paying him a lot of money that's all guaranteed. That's money that, that you're going to have to be paying anyway, unless somebody's willing to take the contract off your hands. So I just find it overwhelmingly likely that Trey Lance is going to be on this football team. The 49ers like him as a person. They like some of the talent, and he can continue to, to do as much development as he can, but he's one of the 49ers quarterback options. He's just not their top option anymore. I don't think it's this black and white, situation with all they hate Trey Lance now I just think that he's lower down on the pecking order uh, just like players at other positions could be lower down on the pecking order right now the focus is on Purdy and whatever happens with Lance the 49ers will kind of deal with their in a secondary nature if you will yeah it's been all about bodies for them at that position I mean they they ran out of bodies in 2022 (laughs) their priority this year was to make sure that never happens again you know, speaking of bodies, uh, Brock Purdy does not have a a huge one, and um, he got uh, beat up a little bit last year. Two injuries in, in his eight starts, and, and both of them could have, uh, I mean, obviously the elbow knocked him out of a game, um, but uh, the rib injury easily could have as well. Uh, so I, I think the 49ers are realized that, especially during free agency, when there were still question marks about all these guys, I mean, Purdy had just had that elbow surgery. Trey Lance hadn't been cleared yet from ankle surgery. So when they were kind of uh, assembling this uh, this quarterback room back in March, there were some question marks. And that's why they ended up with, with four QBs. It wasn't because they'd totally given up on Trey Lance. It was because uh, they weren't sure how healthy those guys were going to be at the beginning of the season and offseason and because they had run out of quarterbacks uh, the previous year. Um, your point about the, the, the scout team, I think, is a really good one. And um, I, I got to think that the 49ers um, ha- have to engineer it during the season that, that Lance gets a lot of work there. Remember, Lance did not get plaudits for how he ran the scout team back in 2021. Remember, uh, Fred Warner had to like uh, approach him and say, hey, listen, you need to challenge us more. Um, you, you need to kind of put the pressure on the defense during the scout team work. Uh, and, and Lance uh, eventually did that, but he wasn't doing it initially. And then by contrast, uh, I remember Jimmy Ward saying last year that that was something that Brock Purdy really did well. Uh, he took risks. He, he uh, tried to throw into tight windows. He tested the defense. He didn't care if he was throwing picks uh, uh, for the scout team. Um, the pressure was on. He was exhibiting that aggressiveness that we were just talking about. That's what Trey Lance needs to do. Even if he's emulating the other team's offense during the year, it's that attitude. It's that um, idea that you're always kind of going for the jugular that uh, I think that he needs to get. Obviously, you want to marry that with the Shanahan system. Uh, but um, first, getting that mentality going, I think, is important. And you can do that through the scout team. I mean, we saw Purdy do that last year. And then once he got his chance against the Dolphins, uh, he just kind of picked up where he'd left off in practice. You know, the let it rip thing is so noticeable because Shanahan used it to talk about the play of both Trey Lance and 
Brock Purdy this week, right? After the game against the Raiders, he that was the play where Lance threw the touchdown, but it should have been an interception. But surprisingly, Shanahan wasn't all too upset about that then in the decision-making process. He said that he was happy that uh, Trey was letting it rip. And then later uh, in the week, after Brock had thrown his ninth and tenth interceptions of training camp, Shanahan said, you know, he's letting it rip. That that indeed is what is most important to Kyle Shanahan. Speaking of those interceptions, uh, the 49ers have 15 of them as a defense so far in training camp. Last year, this was a bellwether for what would happen in the regular season. Last year in training camp, the 49ers, 20 interceptions. They finished with exactly 20 interceptions during the season, which led the NFL. It was tied with Pittsburgh for the NFL lead. So the 49ers play the Steelers in week one. So if anybody's worried about Brock Purdy and interceptions, you'll get to see him against uh, the 49ers co-INT leader uh, as a defense, Pittsburgh in week one. You'll see how Purdy fares against them. But I want to talk about the 49ers defense. It, it seems they started a little bit slower with the picks this year, but they've started to rack them up lately, Matt. And they have got a couple more practices uh, of training camp uh, coming off of this game uh, against uh, Denver to, to see if they could match last season's training camp total. But it seemed that maybe there was an adjustment period to, to the Steve Wilkes coverages, right? All the blitzes and the offense uh, early on had a little bit of a hot stretch there. But the defense now, I think, is coming along, forcing its hand onto some footballs and really showing that it, it could be a defense that, again, forces a lot of takeaways. And that's even without Nick Bosa in the mix right now. So I, I think an arrow up for that defense and all the interceptions that are coming in. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's typical training camp where – it sort of uh, sloshes back and forth. Uh, in the first couple of days of training camp, it was it was all D, and then um, I don't. I mean, my my take was that you know Kasirik runs those guys so hard on the defensive line that that maybe the the defensive players got a little bit fatigued in that middle chunk of camp, and and that's when you saw the the offense start to take advantage. But this last week, it's been uh, I think that that defense has uh, asserted itself again. I mean, you hear it. Um, as well. I mean, Fred Warner is not shy about, uh, you know, calling out uh, uh, the uh, offensive players, calling out Purdy, um, everything. He's really the uh, the straw that stirs the drink in those practices, and he's been very vocal this week. Very funny to listen to. They should they should mic him up. Uh, but uh, yeah, they're starting to feel it. Um, and and we should note that there is no Dre Greenlaw this week as well. Uh, so uh, they, they've been short a couple of their, their star players, but um, really have uh, been um, running around and just moving really well, really fast, especially that, uh, that back seven. Yeah, the back, and the back seven is interesting because we'll see what permutations they use in that nickelback spot. But we do know that they've got two really good safeties at the top of the rotation in Talano, Hufanga, and Tashawn Gibson. We do know that Charvarius Ward and Diamondor Lenore look like two really good cornerbacks. I think Diamondor had a really nice play on Wednesday in the red zone working against Brandon Ayuk. And Brandon Ayuk's been a vacuum cleaner this camp. I mean, he, he's been dominating. It's been very, very hard to think of a time where there was a throw in his vicinity that he didn't go up and get. This one, though, Diamondor Lenore is shorter than Brandon, uh, was just right on him. Physical coverage was a little slant. 
and he skied up for the football alongside Ayuk, and the ball clanged off of, I think, Lenore's hand. I think he was able to to get his hand right into the throwing lane from Brock Purdy, popped the ball up into the air, and then Tashawn Gibson grabbed the interception. That was the 49ers' 15th interception of this training camp. So you, you've got playmakers there on, on the back end, then obviously the back end is going to work with, uh, with the front end, right? You, you need that front seven to generate the type of pressure that allows the secondary to really feast. And I think the 49ers feel that they're on their way with that formula. I wanted to talk a little bit about the defensive end position opposite Bosa. We, we touched on it here a few seconds ago. Uh, they've got some reclamation project candidates, Matt, right? And this is the Chris Kacerik specialty, speaking of him. We've seen Arden Key turn his career around in the past. We've seen Charles Amenahu go from a guy who didn't rack up any sacks with, with the Texans to, to uh, somebody being paid $10 million annually by the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, Sansom Ebucom came through. I, I, you know, th- that wasn't quite the success story, although he, he was more productive with the 49ers than he was with the Rams. He was playing a little bit of a different position. Jordan Willis played some of his, his best football with the 49ers. I mean, the list is... Is, is fairly long, right? Chris Kacerik has been able to, to generate uh, good years out of some of these defensive ends, and I think he could do it again here in 2023. I mean, he's got Taco Charlton now on this football team. You look uh, at the rest of the defensive line room, uh, you see a rookie in Robert Beal who didn't do much of anything at Georgia but has the physical characteristics that Kacerik likes. They just brought in Breland Speaks, well, he was a former second rounder, right? Breland speaks, so that that's another player who might have um, some some upside. And then obviously the the two players who look like uh, locks to make the fifty three man roster at this point: Cleveland Farrell and and Austin Bryant, teammates at Clemson. Both have had relatively disappointing NFL careers so far, but both of them have had flashed some big practices. You mentioned Farrell a little bit earlier. Austin Bryant had some fresh legs when we first saw him after an injury last week. It looks like uh, there is some moldable clay here for Chris Kosarek again to work his magic. Yeah, I think um, uh, the locks at that position are obviously Bosa, Farrell, and Drake Jackson. I don't know who number four is. And, and that, that sort of um, would have me concerned if I'm the 49ers. Um, I thought that the, the Raiders' defensive ends were head and shoulders better than the 49ers' defensive ends in those practices. I mean, obviously, no Bosa and uh, Max Crosby was kind of leading the charge. You saw him uh, literally leading that group around the field, uh, sort of puffing out his chest and uh, you know, yapping at the 49ers. It was all good nature, but you saw that leadership from him. Um, uh, it's not a vocal group for the 49ers, and I'm not critiquing that, but I, I don't think that they have the talent there um, from top to bottom. Um, uh, I thought that you just mentioned Jordan Willis. He's on the Raiders now. <laughs> I don't know if Jordan Willis was trying to to prove something to his old team, but uh, he looked good in those scrimmages, and, and so did uh, the guy who was unblockable, at least in that first day. Uh, the, the Thursday scrimmage against the Raiders was Chandler Jones. I mean, uh, he, was, he was just gobbling up uh, Colton McKivitz early on in that practice. So um, that, I mean, uh, that... That would give me concern for two reasons. A, you're, you're, I don't, I don't know whether the 49ers have really uh, improved that that other defensive end spot from a year ago when you had Samson Ebucom and Jordan Willis. 
um, you know, basically rot rotating there. Um, and B, you really haven't been sharpening Colton McKibbitts very much in this camp. Um, I do think that Cleveland Farrell has been the most consistently good player. He hasn't missed a practice yet. Like I said, he, he seems to always get one sack per practice. Um, and it's, it's hard for me to see Drake Jackson overtaking him from here on out. Um, I mean, it's, it's possible, but uh, Jackson's uh, hamstring injury, I think, uh, set him back a little bit, and I'm not sure he was even ahead of Farrell before that happened. So th that, that's going to be interesting. I mean, uh, I, I still think this is a, an extremely strong roster, but we're starting to see now where the the sort of weaknesses are. And I, I think uh, uh, the defensive end depth, I think offensive tackle depth, and as we uh, were describing earlier, I think nickel cornerback would be the, the top three on the roster. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with, with, with that order of assessment there for, the, for, for those spots. It's uh, something the 49ers will turn toward here. Let's talk about the next couple of weeks for, you know, just determining some of this stuff because the roster cutdown happens, what, on August 29th? So that's, that's less than two weeks away. This kind of sneaks up on us every single season. Once these preseason games start, it moves really, really quickly. Again, the 49ers have 16 practices under their belts and two more games now in the preseason. These games really, really important for some of the young linemen to get true reps in. Chris Furster talked about that today or on Thursday in his uh, press conference. I, you know, one player that you recently wrote about, Matt, uh, that might be making a 53 man roster push, at least a practice squad push, but, you know, you talk about depth that the 49ers need on this team, especially in the trenches. You mentioned Colton McKivitz and his struggles against Chandler Jones at tackle, and I talked about the second-team offensive line struggling. You wrote about Il Manning, the undrafted free agent out of Hawaii. This is a guy that played left tackle in college, and, you know, when I went back and researched him a little bit of Hawaii, they, there was the thought that he would have to move in to guard throughout his entire college career, essentially, but he kept on just sticking a tackle because he was winning so often. He's got excellent feet. He's really quick, excellent athleticism. So even at 6'2", Il Manning was able to start 40 games for Hawaii at tackle. And funny enough, uh, something similar has happened here in the NFL. The 49ers have needed bodies at tackle. So Il Manning has played exclusively there since he showed up at training camp for the 49ers. They're talking about him being a future guard, but so far... In his work at tackle, he didn't give up a single pressure against uh, the Raiders in the second half on Sunday. So, so far, he's holding out a tackle. And the way I see it, Matt, at 6'2", the arms are 32 and 5 8 inch, uh, long, uh, inches long. So, he, you know, 34-inch arms are typically what you see out of these tackles who have staying power in the NFL. So, I get it. He, he, he might not be likely to have a lot of NFL success at tackle, but the longer he can stick there for the 49ers in these practice situations, these preseason situations, the better chance he ultimately has of being a guy that, that has tackle flexibility, which is invaluable, right, on a roster. It, yeah, sure, his home position might be guard, but in an emergency, Il Manning might be able to do something that Nick Zakel can't do at the NFL level, that John Feliciano can't do at the NFL level, and that is be a guard who can move to the outside. And that could potentially 
uh, allow the 49ers to take Il Manning as a ninth offensive lineman, or m- maybe he makes the practice squad, then gets called up later. But this kind of flexibility can be really, really beneficial to the 49ers. So I think they have to be thrilled with what they're seeing out of the 6-2 underdog, Il Manning, so far. Yeah, I mean, um, uh, what you just described is, is something that Daniel Brunskill did really well for this team uh, a few years ago, which is be able to basically play every spot across the line. And we saw him play tackle early on and then and then move to guard. Um, but um, yeah, um, you know, Manning played well in the game. He's going against third stringers. And, and that was uh, Chris Furster's point today, is that when you get into the game in, in the preseason, you're going against guys that um, you know uh, that you 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 played against in college, and and that was literally true on on Sunday for Manning. He was playing uh, against a guy from UNLV, whom uh, Hawaii played in 2022 in Boise State, uh, who also was uh, which also was on Hawaii's roster. So he literally was playing the same guys that he'd played the year before, and, and he pretty much dominated those guys um, in the in the passing game. His run game wasn't as good and. He, uh, when I talked to him on on Thursday, he uh, acknowledged that uh, he seems like a sharp guy. Uh, ran his forty and four point nine seven seconds. That's terrific for an offensive lineman. I I got the thought that maybe the 49ers see him as a center, which is what some other teams were looking at him as. Uh, he's from Glendale, Arizona, which is uh, where the the Cardinal Stadium is, and. He went to the Cardinals' uh, local pro day, and they had him play center uh, throughout that practice. Uh, so it's something that he, he did a little bit in the offseason because he anticipated teams wanting to move him to guard, wanting to move him to, to center. And then uh, he joins the 49ers, and they say, nope, uh, why, don't you, why don't you stay at the left tackle for a little while? Uh, and he's, he is, as you note, he's held up well there. It, it sort of brings up a dilemma in my mind for them they have all these sort of developmental uh, interior linemen. Uh, you got Joey Fisher. They paid a lot of money to to sign him this year. They've got Jason Poe from last year that they still like. Uh, Nick Sakel might even be in that same boat. Um, I don't know if you can have all of those guys on the same roster, even if some of them are on the practice squad. Um, you might be able to. I'm, I'm not sure, but... Um, at some point, they've got to make a decision on which guys are going to be the developmental guys. You just can't collect them um, uh, year after year. So, uh, it, but he does seem like somebody who's worth developing. Um, he's uh, he moves his feet well. He's tough, really good in pass protection, um, and uh, I, I wonder how he would do at center or guard. Yeah, well, I mean, anybody who's versatile along the offensive line is is worth his weight in gold because especially a really good team like the 49ers roster-wise, there's limited roster space. So it's essentially a player and a half, If even if it's just spot duty that he could perform at tackle. Uh, that That's really, really big for a team to be able to flex a guy out there. I think the Daniel Brunskill comparison is a really good one. Why don't we finish up by talking about the – 49ers linebackers, Matt. Uh, I think they have a real surplus at linebacker. And if there's any movement around the roster cut down as far as trades go, I think it could be in this position. Remember 2021, we saw Jonas Griffith traded to the Denver Broncos for, I believe, a seventh round pick. Seventh round picks are not insignificant. Brock Purdy, 
Juwan Jennings. I mean, <laughs> those guys all were selected in the seventh round. But anyway, beyond Warner and Greenlaw in that linebacker room, you've got Warren Burks. Then you've got the rookies, D. Winters and Jalen Graham, who are flying to the football. I mean, they were the sideline to sideline speed was real on Sunday against the Raiders. And you have Marcelino McCrary Ball, who's made a nice second year leap for the 49ers. Curtis Robinson almost had two interceptions at practice on Wednesday. Had one, dropped the second one. Uh, then Kiava Tizino, he was Reuben Foster's teammate in the USFL for the Pittsburgh Maulers. And Demetrius Flanagan Foles, who is a, a special teams ace, right? Also getting some work with the first team as the third linebacker. A lot of names there. That, that's nine linebackers I just went through. Uh, only, I would say only two, well, I mean, the, the rookies are going to make the team. But outside the rookies, only two are locks to, 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 to make this roster, in my opinion, because uh, somebody's going to be a trade candidate. That That's for sure. There's just capital in this room, and the 49ers, since they are overflowing with capital, since there is a surplus, they might be uh, ready for a move at the linebacker position come the cut-down de deadline. But obviously we have to keep an eye on the, the room's health before then. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm sure they weren't happy that Oren Burks got hurt. He was involved in a collision with Devontae Adams, and it looked like uh, initially Adams took the, the brunt of that, and he had to be helped off, off the field. But apparently um, uh, Burks uh, hit his knee as well. They may have just kind of banged knees together, um, and he's been out this week, and he's not going to play on Saturday. I wonder whether they were not dangling him as trade bait, but, but hoping that he'd play some and um, kind of expose himself in this defense. Um, as you've noted, uh, what's the figure that they that they would save if, if Burks? Five million. So. Yeah, that's not that's yeah, not that's insignificant. Yeah, given where they are in the in the salary cap, right? Yeah, no, I mean, two point five million is a big chunk of money. It's it's hard to find a chunk of money to free up as easily as as that amount. Now he's a good special teams player. Uh, he's a high floor number three linebacker for the 49ers. But the way that Winters and Graham played and you got McCray Ball, the other names they put there, 2.5 million is not nothing. You're right about that, Matt. Yeah, um, McCrary Ball could fill in at that spot. I mean, uh, if everybody's healthy, then Oren Burks is the strong side linebacker, which is basically the same as the the nickelback. That he, the strong side linebacker is in the game uh, on base downs and then on nickel downs he comes off the field and the nickel cornerback comes in it's essentially the same spot uh, and McCrary Ball played something very similar at Indiana I think they called it the husky position it's it's a uh, it's a every college program puts its own kind of special name on it but basically it's nickel it's a hybrid spot uh, so he could play it and that's also what Jalen Graham played at Purdue um, to me, Graham is sort of the most intriguing guy among those youngsters because um, I think that's exactly what the 49ers thought he would play when they drafted him. Uh, what happened was he picked up the defense so quickly that they moved him to middle linebacker. Uh, that's the spot that calls all the plays, lines everybody up, and uh, he's taken to that w uh, very well uh, in addition to the Sam spot, the strong side spot. So, um, you know, he's got versatility there. I think he makes the roster. I think, I actually think that they would be fine with him being the, the strong side linebacker this year. Back in, in 2019, Aziz Al-Shair, undrafted linebacker, coming off an ACL, 
Um, you know, he flashed in the preseason, and they made him the strong side linebacker for the rest of the year. And and, and he spent the, the next four years playing that spot and filled in at middle linebacker. He did a little bit of everything. And I get the same uh, vibe from Jalen Graham, that um, he's instilling the same sort of confidence in this coaching staff as uh, Aziz did uh, back in 2019. And Jalen Graham, to me, the, the body type so exciting. He's built like Fred Warner. He's got the height. Yesterday, he said that he weighs 225 pounds, so he's a little bit lighter, I think, than Fred. It just shows you the way that this game has been moving. Maybe the 49ers do bulk him up a little bit, but 225, it wasn't long ago that that was the size of safeties uh, in, the, in the league. That, back in the Bowman-Willis days, I mean, they were 240 near, near 250 at linebackers. So coverage first. And Jalen Graham also mentioned, or was it D. Winters that mentioned that he had previously played safety in high school uh, because yeah, I think it was D that said he had played safety in high school. Jalen Graham obviously played that position that you talked about uh, at Purdue where he, where he was just extremely versatile, almost like a glorified linebacker turned into a defensive back was, was back out there in coverage a lot. And that's obviously what the 49ers like. Are you looking forward to anything else here on uh, Saturday, Matt? I, I know we haven't talked about kicker yet. Uh, it was funny to me, Brian Schneider, 49ers special teams coordinator, Jake Moody. I uh, uh, try to ice Jake Moody, the rookie kicker, at practice. He called timeout. And, you know, I never seen that happen at practice. But Moody was thrown off by two icings, unexpected icing attempts from the Raiders on Sunday. Went 0 for 2. So you got to do it. And uh, for those of you who uh, haven't read our practice reports yet, Moody did make the kick after the icing at Thursday's practice. So... Uh, the 49ers, I think, are holding their breath. They really do hope that this rookie kicker, who they spent the third-round pick on, doesn't have some kind of yip situation during the game, right? Uh, that it, Sometimes a guy can kick really well at practice, but something happens during the game, and right now it's up to Jake Moody to prove that the game against the Raiders was just a fluke. Yeah, we see every practice, of course, and, and Moody has been really lights out in those practices. The fans only see the game, <laughs> which means that they've only seen Jake Moody uh, have two misses. So um, I'm sure they and the 49ers and Moody would, would love to have a, a perfect game against Denver in, in the stadium that um, he's going to be kicking in, hopefully for the next uh, decade. So this will be really his first. I, I wonder whether he and... Um, uh, Zane Gonzalez have had practice inside Levi Stadium. They usually have one summer practice there. They haven't this year, uh, but uh, th they might have gotten some uh, some reps there anyway. The, the guy I'm, I'm looking forward to, going back to the nickel spot, we talked about Deandre Lenore playing there uh, with the first team unit. The, the second team unit, it's been uh, Deshaun Jameson, the, the good-looking uh, rookie cornerback, undrafted rookie cornerback out of Texas. Uh, he, he had been playing on the outside uh, until very recently in camp, and they moved him to nickel and had a couple of nice uh, coverage plays today. Uh, the part of Sam Darnold's one-for-seven game is that he was trailing uh, Ronnie Bell working out of the slot today in, in the red zone and um, you know, never really left Bell's side. Uh, broke up a pass in the back of the end zone and then uh, had nice coverage on another throw that was sort of to the, the side of the end zone and then ended up being incomplete. Um, he does not have the experience. He does not have the size, but he does have sort of that sticky quality that 
uh, Kwan Williams had. So um, I don't think that the 49ers would ever go with him to start the year in Pittsburgh, but I wonder whether that's his best position moving forward. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see uh, if that is here moving forward and the 49ers can run a bunch of tests on this kind of stuff. That's what's fun about game season, which is upon us. 49ers against Denver on Saturday and then uh, 49ers against the Chargers the following Friday. And then two weeks after that, we'll see the 49ers in Pittsburgh against the Steelers. Anyway, fun episode, Matt. We're moving through the dog days of camp. Looking forward to the roster cut down, everything beyond that. For Matt Barrows, this is David Lombardi. This has been another episode of Here's the Catch. We'll talk to you all next time.